Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Remember again in um, chapter 5, we dealt with the different witnesses. And I'm not going to go over them because we went over them already last time. I have so much territory to cover. Um, now, there's approximately six months to a year that has passed. And now we're up to John chapter 6. So when um, the Apostle John says after these things, he's actually not only making mention of what has just, hap- just happened in John chapter 5, but also a Galilean ministry which he did not include in all of this. Um, it's, it's known as the Great Galilean Ministry. Uh, it can be found in the Synoptic Gospels. But following that, remember the Apostle John is trying to make a point. Remember again that I said that all the things that are written here are not all the things that Jesus did. None of the Gospels have all the things that Jesus did. Because John said if we were to write everything he did, we wouldn't have enough books. I mean, the world couldn't contain them. We need to know this. We need to know that we are really seeing a tiny little slice of what happened. And the whole point of each of the Gospels is to let us know, first of all, to minister to a certain group of people, but also to let us know why, if Jesus was so perfect, was he crucified? Are you all with me? It, it, It was a question that needed to be answered. And so they're each answering it in a different way. And so John now goes into this next episode or this next series of events that are going to further cause division between Jesus and the Pharisees and the the religious Jews that were opposing him. You know, at at one time he was kind of like, okay, we can tolerate him. Maybe the synagogues aren't so full because they're all out looking at Jesus. But, you know, it's a fad. They'll get over it. They didn't. A year has passed and they're still going after him. And in fact, as we look at the next couple of scriptures, we're going to see that they, they kept following him. So let's read in verse 2 because that's exactly what it goes and to say. Wait, I didn't finish verse 1. And it says, and Jesus... Oh, let me read again, you know, because everybody doesn't know what I said now. All right, so again in John 6, 1, it says, After these things, Jesus went over, to the, went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Verse 2, Then a great multitude followed him. In the literal text, it says, kept following him. Because they, and the literal text says, continually saw. They didn't just see, they continually saw his signs, which he performed. And not just performed, but literally, habitually did on those who were diseased. I really like that. You know, when you look at the literal text, sometimes it brings out things that you don't ever recognize or, or know that actually existed. Notice that it says he habitually did. It means when he saw a problem, he solved it. It means he didn't stand there and, and, and you know, kind of theorize and bring his seminary knowledge in and say, now let's look at this case. Now should we heal this person or shouldn't we heal this person? Let's find out their background. Let's see if they deserve it. None of those things happened. He saw a need, he met it. In fact, some of those... But naughty people, how do you know? Because he said, now go and sin no more. I know what you did, but I healed you anyway. And I didn't judge you, but I will tell you, don't do this again, because something worse might come. Are you all with me? And he tells us something, while people are arguing over whether or not, God just says, do it. If there is an issue, I'll tell you. 
Verse 3. In fact, I'm going to read verses 3 through 6. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his, uh, that's 12 now, disciples. Verse 4. Now the Passover, I won't explain what the Passover, well, do you all know what the Passover is? It's celebrating when, you know, the, Israel, uh, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt. And the angel of death passed over those that had put the blood Okay, over their doorposts. All right. Anyway, so they they celebrate that. It says, now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? I'm sure Philip looked up and thought, oh dear God. And Jesus, you know, we we miss so much in reading, you know, because we miss the picture. Can I just tell you where my sanctified imagination goes? I, I just think Jesus is like this. Jesus probably looked, he probably looked at the crowd, probably looked at Philip, and probably saw Philip's eyes getting big. And he goes, hey, Philip, where should we buy bread for all of these? <laughs> no, are you kidding me? I don't know where we can sit them down and don't buy food for them. I was going to tell them we can't manage so many. The hall is only so big. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm trying to say? I honestly believe, you know, Jesus knows what's in the heart of people. Yeah. Now, watch. <laughs> he says, watch, because verse 6 says, But he, this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So, in other words, he knew what he was going to do. Remember, Jesus is always in control. That's right. He's always in control. They come to arrest him. They come to go crucify him. He goes, it's not my time. Go away. And they can't. Until he was ready, nobody could touch him. They wanted to, but he wouldn't allow them and God wouldn't let it. Are you all with me? You need to, need to know, man. He was in control the whole time. So, so he's in control right now. He sees Philip. He, I'm sure he'd notice his reaction. He says, where do you think we can get this much bread? And he's like, forget it, dude. We're in trouble here. And <clears throat> the whole point was this. The test was this. Philip was there when he turned water into wine. Philip was there when he healed the sick. Philip had seen Jesus do miraculous things. And he's, uh, he's wondering if Philip is ready to believe God or to think naturally. We always have a choice to go the rational, logical way or to go God's way. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? There is either, Lord, I can't do it, or, which is what the Israelites said when they were about to go into the promised land, we can't do that, or Joshua and Caleb. Our God is more than able. And therefore, we are more than able. Let's go do it now before we let fear in. Are you all here? We, we're always making choices about the situation we're facing, whether we want God to intervene or whether we're going to take care of it ourselves. And can you help me, God? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't start something and get God to help you. Why don't you go to God first and say, what's your plan? I wonder if, if Philip would have turned to Jesus and go, well, you're the Messiah. What do you think? How do you think we can feed them? You know? I wonder what would have happened. No, but see, Philip isn't thinking that way. He's freaking out. Jesus, I'm sure Jesus is having a little chuckle, you know. Anyway, and so Philip says here, 
uh, can I read something? I've got some comments here. I, I should read them, otherwise I, I won't cover all this. I said that the test was to see if, firstly, Philip would be moved with compassion for these people, and secondly, if so, would he look to man or look to God for the provision? Especially since Philip was from there and not only knew where to buy food, but he also had witnessed the miracles of Jesus turning water into wine and healing all that were sick. So he's got this duality. He knows where to go, but he also knows there are miracles. Okay? William Hendrickson says that in spite of these manifestations of power, it seemed not to have occurred to Philip that the Lord would be just as able to furnish bread. Amen. Verse 7. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread. We don't know what that is today. It is the equivalent of 200 days worth of wages. That's a lot. Okay? He says... Even if we had that, he said, it's not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little or get a little something to eat, is what he's saying. Okay, so Philip sadly looks at the natural. He fails the test. Sad, huh? And before we criticize him, I'm sure most of us have done that too. Mm-hmm. As I said before, choosing the natural, logical over the supernatural and the miraculous. All right? which requires to have trust and faith in God, doesn't it? Amen. Verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, verse 9, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. He goes, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Which I'm sure everybody else was thinking the same thing. Go, yeah, what he said. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? Now, listen to me. There have been many theories about this young lad, the food that he had on him. But what's important is that we focus our attention on the Lord, not the lad. So we're going to stick to that. Amen? Okay. Verse 10. Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, I want you to notice the orderliness of Jesus. Has he got all the bread? No. Is he trusting God? Does he know what's going to happen? Remember, he said he already knew. Do you know when he knew? When he prayed that day. God, the, the Father would have said, this is going to happen. Do you know the Lord will always let you know what's coming next? Did you know that? He will tell you of things to come. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. That's why you pray. I don't want to pray. I don't have time. You don't want to know what's going to happen? You want to run out there blind? Go for it. And then don't get to the place where you go, Oh Lord, help, help. Jesus would have said, I was trying to tell you, go this way, not that way today. But no, we don't have time. We have time to go to the doctors. We have time to play a parking ticket or whatever. But we don't have time to talk to him. Unless we get in trouble. Then we have time. Then, oh Jesus, I'm here before you. Yeah, if you were here before, you wouldn't be here before me now. We could have avoided all of this and had a great time. Now we're whining and crying. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, moving on. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is my gift, okay? This is just, I, I can't switch it off. So, <laughs> so I want you to notice the ordinance of Jesus. He says, make the, make the, make the people sit down. And it says, now there was much grass in, in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. There's a lot of people. The men, the men. We didn't talk about who was attached to them. Right. 
the wives, the kids, the dogs, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, notice that thanksgiving comes first, then the miracle. Not the whining, and then the miracle. Not the, oh God, what is all this? I know you know, I wasn't prepared for this. That won't get the miracle. You just, you need to go to God and say, thank you, Lord. You saw this coming. I might not have, but you saw this. And you always make a provision. You always see ahead and make a provision. So I thank you for whatever provision that you have. I believe and receive it right now in the name of Jesus. We have to do that, okay? And as soon as you do that, you've opened the door wide for God to come in and do what he wants to do. Not what you can do with your little bit, but what he can do with his riches in glory. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> so again, it says, verse 11, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the dis disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Notice that they ate as much. It wasn't like Philip. We can just, you know, have a little something for them to eat. Probably still hungry. Just tell them you should be fasting anyway. No, <laughs> no, no. I want you to notice that Jesus fed them as... I mean, these are people, you know... Let, let me just, uh, there's an incident that's going to come up later on in this chapter yeah. where suddenly this isn't going to be enough for them. They're going to complain and they're going to um, refer back to an incident that took place in the Exodus where God fed the Israelites. And in that incident, and I don't want to talk about that right now, but I want to just bring something out from that incident. You know, God had told them to take a certain amount for each family and eat. But you know what happened? People didn't listen to that, and they took more than they should have. And so for those that might have had a little bit less, it said everybody was satisfied. And for those that, and, and God said, don't keep anything left over. And of course somebody did. And the next morning, it was maggoty and stinking and horrible. We all knew you sinned. Who sinned today? Who sinned? We can tell. <laughs> okay? And, but you know, if anybody thought that this was something natural, what was interesting is when it came to the sixth day, you got manna that lasted two days. And you were meant to take twice as much. So you can't make anything natural out of this thing. How can it be one thing one time and something else another time? And so they were told to do that. And of course, you know... The point I want to make is this. People don't listen. There'll always be somebody that, you know, they won't take what they should take. They'll take what's theirs and somebody else's. And including all of those people, everybody had more than enough to eat, is my point. With God, uh, let me make this point. With God, don't ever get upset or jealous that somebody else might have taken something you think belonged to you. Even if it did belong to you, God will make sure you get what he planned for you to have. Amen. Do you hear me? That's why we can walk in love. 
Because somebody bigger than all those people doing the wrong things is looking after you. And he's got it. He doesn't go and go, oh, nuts, I'm a little short this week. You know, the other guy took more than he should. I'm so sorry. You'll have to go without paying your bill this week. Will never happen. Remember when Jesus said, if you ask anything, I will give it to you. Do you know in the original text he said, and if it doesn't exist, I will make it and I will give it to you. Hallelujah. In the beginning, God created out of nothing everything. He didn't follow the, the law of conservation of matter. <laughs> Do you hear me? So don't you follow that law. And don't you get upset. If somebody else takes what you think, or what, what does belong to you, just know that God will still make sure you get what you deserve and what, what he wanted to bless you with. Amen? And then they will have to answer for, we'll know it stinks. We'll know somebody took more than they should. All right, moving on. Let that not be you, but sometimes we see somebody else doing something and we say, next time it comes, we're going to take more than. Don't, don't follow a bad example. Don't let evil roll over you. Amen? Overcome evil with good. Okay, so, verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Now, I love what Hendrickson says here. He says, infinite resources are no excuse for waste. Wastefulness is sinfulness. Did you hear me? A lot of that is taking place today. There's a lot of people that waste and they just, you know, it's just not right. Yeah. You know it. You know what I'm talking about. You just see things. You go, that ain't right, man. It's <laughs> just not right, you know? Okay? And that's, that, notice how Jesus didn't just litter and leave everything there. Yeah. And then all the groundskeeper people came and said, oh, Jesus had another meeting. Look at the mess. <laughs> no. If Jesus had a meeting, it was clean. Mm. When you go and use something, you make sure that you leave it better than it was when you got there. That's right. Amen. Amen. Don't, look, don't let people look at you and say, oh, they're the Christians again. God gets a black eye because you're lazy. When his whole word says, don't be lazy. Watch the ant. He's not lazy. <laughs> okay? Uh, anyway. I mean, there's a whole book called Job. Or is it Job? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. So verse 13. Therefore, they gathered, gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves and which were left over by those who had eaten. In other words, there is more left over than there was at the beginning. Isn't that something? What was left over was so much more than what they started with. And that should be the case with you. Whenever you go out of your way to do something, just know that what will be left over at the end. You know, we, we, all, we tend to count the cost in the wrong way before we begin. Now, Jesus says count the cost. Make sure that you know what you're doing. However, don't leave God out of the equation. Count the cost in terms of what, what happens if I don't do this? Not can I do this, but what happens if I don't do this? Is it going to mean that I'm going to pay somewhere down the line? Amen. You know, when God asks you to do something, He is going to make a provision. You are going to experience a miracle. Something incredible is going to happen in your life that you can share with people. Count the cost. 
Do you want to miss out on all of that? Because you think you couldn't do it. And thereby you thought God couldn't do it. God, you, here's a revelation. You ready? God is not limited to you. <gasps> that shocks my brain. Good. Because you are the one that limits everything to you. Make sure you don't do that. But I don't think I'm... We know you aren't. Whatever you're going to finish saying in that sentence. But we know God is. Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. Do you understand what that means? It means when you don't know what to do, something on the inside of you will bubble up and you'll get an answer. Something you didn't even know existed. Because God is there. He knows what's going on. He'll share it with you. As long as you're not listening, you're not freaking out. You need to be listening. If you're freaking out, you won't hear anything. Did you hear what I just said? God speaks to you in a still, small voice. Amen? You need to be still and know He is God for Him to speak to you in a still, small voice. Amen. All right. How, how much time? How, how long have I been going? Sorry. Okay. Roger that. All right. <clears throat> Verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is coming to the world. Ark and Hughes... <laughs> I gotta read this one. He says, Jesus feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children, however, that multiplication took place, was a stupendous act. And a man who could do that could do anything. In their mind's eye, the masses probably saw the foot of Jesus upon the imperial eagles of the Roman legions. They could see the image of Caesar on their coins replaced with that of Jesus. Oh, he goes, we got a good one here. You know, let's get him into politics. Let's get him in there. Let's get him vote, you know, elected into the presidency. This is it. This is what we're waiting for. Let's turf Rome and carry on like we want to. Where we can do whatever you're wanting to. <laughs> Hello. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but sadly, Leon Morris observes, like many others since, they wanted to use him to further their own ends. And so it, it goes on to say, verse 15, Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself. Now I need to go to the synoptics for a moment because uh, this incident is actually recorded in the four and in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23. It tells us this. It says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, so he dismissed them and said, go home. Don't stand here and, you know, I'm trying to say, you know, some days those people are praising you and stuff. It may not be that you're so great. It might be that you're so useful. You don't want those people around. Send them home. While they're stroking your ego, there's a problem. Amen? Send them home. So <laughs> he just sent them out to the and watch. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
This is so important, family. When you have a success, when something wonderful has happened, don't forget where it came from. And don't get caught up in the fame and don't get caught up in all of those things are fleeting. They will pass away and they will turn on you in an instant. What you want to do is stay with God the whole time. Amen? Be with God. Always have your ear to Him, not the crowds. Jesus knew how not to be influenced or tempted by the world and all its lies. Nor get involved with anything that was outside God's will. At times like this, the safest place was to be with the Father in prayer. Amen? And because of this, I want you to notice, we'll go on to the next incident. I don't have, know if I have time to finish it, but let's start it. It says in verse 16, now, the, now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. Now, this was as per Jesus' instructions. We need to go back to Matthew's gospel, the same chapter, but a verse before, which says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So they were doing it as per his instructions, which means he was not with them. Okay? And as a result, it says in verse 17 and on to verse 18 that his disciples got into the boat and went or literally headed over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come with them. In other words, this, they're basically saying Jesus was not with them. They were doing this on their own. Okay? Then the sea rose because a great wind was blowing. Now, where is Jesus right now? This, the reason I want to go into this is because it's linked. Where is Jesus? Up on a mountain praying. Okay? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and there is a storm. They have, they have entered a storm. I like William Hendrickson. He says, while the storm was raging and the darkness en enveloped the little group of men, they were nevertheless perfectly safe, for upon the hill the Lord was interceding for them. A beautiful picture indeed, one of which has many present-day applications. No matter what storm you're going through, Jesus, your high priest, is in heaven praying for you. Amen. You are not on your own. I don't have a prayer team. Oh, you got Jesus. I mean, that's the only team you need. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes we panic and we're looking for everybody to pray. Why don't you just say, thank you, Lord, for praying. I thank you, God, that your prayers are the most important prayers. And all I want to do is take a moment to acknowledge that I'm not by myself. That as much as the devil is throwing at me, God Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word is praying for you. God is praying for you. That's what you need to know. God is interceding for you. What else do you want? You're good. Just believe and receive that. Amen? All right. So, uh, but not only does Jesus pray for us, He also promises to be there for us. Do you know Jesus doesn't say, I'll pray that you be warmed and you filled and go on your way. That's all I'm doing for you today. Go away. Shoot. <laughs> no. Just like he fed the multitudes. If you're in trouble, he'll turn up. Oh, he'll pray, but he'll also be there. Remember, he's God. He can be everywhere at once. Only the devil can be at one place at one time. God can be everywhere at the same time. So he can be with you while he's praying for you. Okay. Anyway. Just split your brain a little bit there. All right. 
Hebrews 13, 5, remember he said, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so it goes in the same, let me, let me see if I can finish, okay. <laughs> we'll finish, we'll finish. Verse 19, it says, so when he had, when they, this, back to the disciples, there are little guys having trouble out there. Okay, so when they had rode about three or four miles, I mean, they are at it. <laughs> this is big workout. What happens when you're rowing that much? You get exhausted, especially if you're scared. Okay, because your body is having to deal with the fear and the, the stress and the rowing. All right? <laughs> uh, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw it. Now, it says you, you really need to catch this. Remember, this is somebody riding after the fact. So right now, they don't know. But it, so John has to say this. He says, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. Now, they didn't know who it was, because as soon as they know who it was, they're thrilled. But right now, wait, I have, I have a quote, I have a quote. Uh, <laughs> Arkan Hughes says, while those disciples were out on the lake, a great storm came up and those seasoned men of the sea were frightened. They thought they were going to perish. As they helplessly battled the storm, our Lord came walking phantom-like across the water to them. Oh, that freaked them out. Okay? <laughs> and that's why he had to say this. Verse 20. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Now two amazing things are going to happen. Not only is Jesus walking on the way down. Yeah, can we stop for a minute? I mean, these guys are going through a storm. They are fighting waves. And Jesus is walking on it. No boat. This is a person with feet. Please see something here. Wherever Jesus is, the impossible happens. Regardless of the circumstance. So where you, you might say, God, you have no idea. And he's standing right there. You don't know the storm. And he's going, I can fix it. Would you let me? Or are you going to complain about it for another few hours? Or days? However long it's going to take you to get over it. Come to your senses. I'm still there. Amen? Just know whatever storm you're going through, whether it's light or dark, He is right there. You need to not freak out and receive Him. And so it's <laughs> He says, It is I, do not be afraid. Verse 21. Then they willingly or eagerly received him. See, when they knew it was him, they were thrilled. But before that, who is that? What is that? We don't, that's something you don't see every day. I mean, when was the last time you traveled, just kind of wandered across the sea? <laughs> you know, this is not something you do normally. Was it something we were meant to do normally? Anyway, anyway. Then they willingly or eagerly received him into the boat. And Im this, here's the second miracle. Immediately, the boat was, on, uh, 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 was at the land where they were going. Wow. Can Let me read this. The same one who had power over sickness and disease and able to turn water into wine also has absolute control over the winds, the waves, and matter itself. Instantly transporting the boat with everybody in it to the other side. I mean, that's incredible. That's like Yoda stuff. 
Ooh, the force is strong with this one. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is incredible. The whole boat ends up on land. Notice, when God does a miracle, he doesn't say, okay, I've come, why? Let me ask you the question, why? Why do you think he did that? Why didn't he just calm the storm, get in the boat, and say, all right, take us to the other side? Because he just told us that they were exhausted. They had been rowing for about three or four miles. I mean, they were going at it, and they were exhausted. When you have nothing left, God isn't going to come and say, okay, I've fixed it, now go do something. In situations like that, he would just take you there and say, you're there, you have nothing else to do. We're done. Has that happened to you in your life? You've been going through a storm and not only did God come and help you, but you were suddenly on the other side. I mean, all the problem just solved itself. It didn't, God solved it. But that's what it felt like. It was just like, it's suddenly not there. And you have to slap yourself and wake yourself up and go, did that just really happen? Uh, Pastor, has that ever happened to you? Yes, yes, it has. So, (laughs) you know, this morning... I'll finish with this miracle. This morning, I woke up, I printed out my notes from last night. My computer does this horrible thing where suddenly it'll get stuck and shut off. And if I haven't saved something, it's gone. And I had gone and made all these changes to my notes. And this morning, I printed them out and I thought, because I always wait to the last minute, so that I've, whatever changes, I always make changes. So whatever changes I make, whatever revelations I get, I'm not wasting paper. Pastor tries to save paper. He loves the trees. Okay? And so, <laughs> so anyway, and so I left the last, and I printed it all out. And when I finally got to it, because when the computer came back on and I had to restart it, I thought everything was okay, and I didn't really check. And so when I printed my notes out this morning, All the changes that I had made were not there. I had printed the thing out. And as I was reading it, my heart just fell. And I thought, oh, God, you gave me some tremendous revelations. And I thought, I'll just go back in. Now, remember all this happened this morning. I haven't done any study this morning, so to speak, typing in. I've done nothing. All I've done is printed my notes from yesterday. Okay? And... I went back in to try and fix them. I said, God, just help me. Do you know everything that I changed was on there? Everything was on there. Here, here, you are having an episode. No, you are having a forgetfulness. I printed everything this morning. And when I went back about half an hour later, everything had changed. I'm preaching to you from those notes. The ones that were fixed. I sat there and I was in unbelief. And he goes, what's the problem? I said, I'm a little flabbergasted here. He goes, now you know how they felt. Because <laughs> I'm looking at all the miracles. <laughs> and he said, that's the way I roll. <laughs> I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was so thrilled. That was literally a miracle. Literally. I was about to just. Shoot that computer. I said, don't, don't do that. It's okay. I'll look after things. Isn't that beautiful? Let me finish with these verses. <laughs> so it goes on to say, verses uh, 22 to 25 as we finish. 
The next morning, back across the lake, crowds began gathering on the shore, waiting to see Jesus. For they knew this is going to transition into the next thing we're going to look at next week. Uh, for they knew that he and his disciples had come over together and that his disciples had gone off in their boat, leaving him behind. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because the New King James is confusing here. Several boats... I want to read this for a reason, okay? Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. Verse 24, when the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they got into the boat and went across to Capernaum to look for him. When they arrived and found him, they asked, Teacher, how did you get here? I'll finish with a quote. Hendrickson says, They could not figure out how Jesus got back. Did he walk around the sea? But in that case, they would, have, would they not have seen him? They never thought for a moment that he might have walked across. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's who we serve. That's who we call God. That's who stands above all the rest. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that more and more we see how you are God. That we worship God, not just a good person, not just a prophet, but God himself. And we thank you for being Lord over our lives. And just as you took care of those disciples, you take care of your brothers and sisters. You take care of God's kids. For we are all children of God. And we thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. That you help us to remember to keep our eyes on you. Regardless of what we're going through, to always look to you, not the natural, for the solution. We give, and, and forgive us, Father, for the times that we didn't do that. And brought on ourselves unnecessary stress and fear and problems when you were just right there, ready to help. We thank you for being such a loving God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.